It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm right here in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been awaiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 334, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we've got a lot of thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys and the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we will jump into all of that, but none of this is possible. We cannot even begin to do the podcast without our great sponsors, and of course, none better than Robert Greening and the Green Team. I've been working with them for a year and a half. I can tell you from my personal experience, if you have been involved in a car accident and you were hurt and it wasn't your fault, or if you were injured on the premises of a business, you need to give the lawyers at Greening Law a call. One, the consultation's free. And two, when you have them on your side, they go to bat for you against these insurance companies doing things that quite honestly, I I don't know, like just a normal person like myself, I have no idea how someone could do it without having somebody like Robert Greening in your quarter. I, I don't know what you do. I really don't. That's why you need to make that call. Yeah, and that call is easy. Just pick up the phone and dial 972-934-8900 and say, hey, fellas, here's my situation. What do you think? And uh, hopefully they bring you on as a client. And if they do, I keep telling you, it's been your lucky day because they don't get paid unless you get paid, which means they will work. They will grind for you. And as Matt's told you, this can be a really complicated process, a tedious thing. And who doesn't want somebody uh, holding your hand all the way through telling you what to expect? So that you're not surprised by anything, setting up appointments for you, all these little tedious, small things so that you can focus on getting better. That's exactly right. It's easy to do. Again, the consultation, absolutely free. So give them a call. 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call them now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. The Dallas Cowboys have done the impossible, apparently. What so many of you told me all week was not going to happen Dallas is one and done. Dallas can't get out of the wild card. They're going to lose to Tom Brady. They can't win on the road. They can't beat Tom Brady. Well, you're right. They can't beat Tom Brady. They can take him into the shower and steal his soul while nobody else is looking because that was an ass-kicking, dominant performance. All this crap, Dak's not a good quarterback. Dak can't win in the playoffs. They'll never win with Dak Prescott. He gets another playoff win, second of his career, with an elite level performance. Is he an elite quarterback? I don't think so, but he was elite tonight. I'm stoked, I'm excited. The Cowboys are going to San Francisco and all of y'all who doubted can suck it. Wow, and that's how I feel. now. Yeah, see I'm not talking to you because you're not, a, you're, you're not a fan. I'm talking to the fans who doubted, who allowed everything in the past to haunt them. And I kept saying, you know, I kept saying to my friends, I kept saying all week, we talked about it on the podcast. I was like, Dallas is a better team than Tampa. They are a better team. They came in 12 and five. They had more wins against teams with winning record than anybody else in the NFL this year. And Tampa's eight, nine. They're not a good football team. Now, I'm going to be excited tonight and we'll get into San Francisco. That's a different beast coming up next week. But I thought you saw the better football team do what the better football team should do, which is take an eight and nine team out behind the woodshed and beat the shit out of them. Well, I think what happened is, bro, we ain't seen this team for a minute, for a long minute. We've seen the offense play good. We've seen the defense play good. 
but we hadn't seen the team play good. And tonight, except for Brent Maher, uh, they all played terrific, man. The uh, <clears throat> the defense was jumping early, and that to me was the key uh, because the offense needed two series to figure out what they were going to do. Uh, and the defense matched matched that energy Tampa Bay's defense brought early, and that to me was the key, man. But uh, once they got going, uh, that looked like Dak from uh, probably about three or four weeks ago man. where where you could see – he was like in the Matrix where the game slowed down. Oh, no he doubt. He was just yeah. picking them apart, especially in the middle of the field. Uh, he was reading the zone. All and See, we talked about this at some point a few weeks ago because remember last year they had the book on him. You drop a bunch of guys in coverage, you make yeah. it muddied for him. He can't figure it out. Well, obviously that no longer works because uh, they, they had a lot of success throwing underneath. He was patient. Uh, he took what uh, what was offered to him and got those gains. And uh, dude, it was uh, it was a hell of a performance. I was, you know, I like Dak, so I was really glad to see him play well. And uh, he, he, dude, outside the first two series, he was he was just about flawless. Yeah, man. And I mean, even even that very first series, he threw a dart to T.Y. Hilton that hit him right in the hands to convert a third down that Hilton didn't catch. You know, I mean, he, you could sense that this team something was just different. I mean, they looked different from the get go. I thought just the energy. The focus, I don't know what it was. It was so much different than last week against Washington. You saw it with the defense that this was going to be a night when they came out and held Tampa immediately the way that they did on their first series. Dak was the better quarterback in the game. Tom Brady's the GOAT, whether he comes back for another season or not. But but Dak Prescott was by far the better quarterback in this game tonight. Easily outplayed Tom Brady. I mean, Brady had multiple throws that were way off. The the in the end zone interception where you're like, what, what the hell is that? The the cross pass he almost threw where Donovan Wilson got a hand on it that they they knocked down. I mean, it was this was an all around just dominant level performance. And now you got to wonder about that momentum and can you replicate that again? But you look at this tonight. The offense was clicking. Tony Pollard finally gets back on track, 15 for 77, averaging over five yards a carry. Schultz had seven for 95. They had, a what, I think three passes that went for over 20 yards in the air. It's just all across the, the, the football field, outside of Brett Maher, whatever the hell that was, they were just dominant. I mean, they, they but again, okay, it's an eight and nine team. Like somebody goes, I don't know why you're so excited. It's just an eight and nine team. An 8-9 team that, what, five out of the seven people on ESPN in the pregame picked Tampa to win? An 8-9 team that I had so many people all week, oh, the Bucks are going to win. And yeah, it's an 8-9 team, but to me, go do this to an 8-9 team. No, I mean, I think it was a, um, I mean, they did what they should do. I mean, I, th- I thought that they were the better team. They had just hadn't been playing good. And, you know, man, it's what we talked about where, at least I thought, you have to drive a stake in the heart of Brady. You can't give him a chance to come back and put that doubt in your mind. You have to just go out and end it for him. And they went out and did it. I thought the, uh, to me, the biggest play in the game was the end zone interception by Curse. Uh, because one, that that gate, that mm-hmm. kept you up after the missed extra point. If they score, you're going to be down 7-6. And uh, while the game's not over then, it's now a game. And then, not only did they do that, bro, they took that thing and took it all the way back and scored. Yeah. And all of a sudden, from being down probably 7-6 to being up 12 nothing, we'll discuss that at a later date, um, that to me was a huge swing. 
And again, what was it? It was his first red zone interception with the uh, with yeah the with Bucks the Bucks first yeah. yeah in 410 pass attempts. And the key to the game, I think that was the turning point in the game. But the key to the game, we saw very early, and we saw it often. And it's no surprise. It's how you have to get Brady. You have to pressure him. If you can't pressure him, you have no chance. Well, they brought that funk today, and uh, at a certain point in time, as great as he is, decided he didn't want that smoke. No, he didn't. And, and again, you look at Dak. I mean, Dak in the first half, 15 of 20, 189 yards, three touchdowns, four of five on third down. He converted the fourth. I, I, I mean, he was just – he was playing on a different level. And this is why when people say, oh, he's just average. Average quarterbacks don't do that in the playoffs against the GOAT. That's why when we say he's a good quarterback, yeah, does he have horrible games like he did against Washington? Yes. But to me, you can't be an average quarterback and and show up in the playoffs and have a game like that on the road in a huge stage. He's a good quarterback. And and I thought you saw, I mean, obviously today he had an elite performance and he played better than good today. But man, just all the way around. and, And I do think it's interesting, you know, the defense, they ended up with two sacks officially on Tom Brady. They picked him off once. They were all over the field creating havoc. I mean, Chris Godwin had a couple of targets and, and ended up with 10 for 85. But outside of that, I mean, for the most part, they did a good job on Mike Evans. Diggs did because he was on him for the most part. Man, Mike Evans did nothing until about five minutes left. Right. And, and really, the Tampa offense didn't do anything except for that one series where they threw the pick in the end zone where they moved the ball down the field. Outside of that, it wasn't until the, until the Cowboys and even the Bucks players to some extent were like, okay, let's just not get hurt because this is over. And then they started doing things. Yeah, but by then, then the game was over. I right. thought another critical juncture was the first drive of the third quarter where they, I think they three and out or four mm-hmm. and out or yeah. whatever it is. They, get, they took away whatever hope you can get from, okay, you know, let's get this first one. Let's take it down. Let's score. We're back in it. They took away what little hope there was in that. And to me, once they didn't score on that drive, um, unless they made some mistakes, it was just going to be hard for Tampa to get back in it. Yeah, because you looked at it and, and it was because Dallas, after they get that stop, they go eight for 86. It's 24 to nothing. And that's when I put this out on Twitter. Tampa, all season in their 17 regular season games, only scored more than 23 points twice. And they this was an offense that averaged 18 points, and Dallas only gives up 20 points. So you look at an offense that's not really very good against a defense that's pretty solid, and I thought, man, even if this starts to turn, I mean, is, is Tampa even going to be able to get to 20? Because this is not an offense that's, that puts up points, and they are in a massive hole that forces them to have to do things in a sense that they don't really want to have to do, like offensively. And you saw that. And I, I don't know. I'm sure when, when they finally scored and they went 10 on, what was it, like that 95-yard drive and it was 24-6, to 6, you know, you started to say, oh, here, here comes Tampa. Watch out now. And I'm like, okay. So all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, are we going to see a, a 100% completely different version of both teams? I think what happens is, bro, because that can't happen. We've seen it. This year, I mean, hell, we saw the Chargers get it done to them just two days ago. But I think the difference was, and this this is very small, but I think it was a difference, really. When they, when they don't get the two-point conversion and it's 24 to 6, you're still like, well, fuck. We got, Jesus, uh, we still got to score three touchdowns. Um, if it's 24 to 8, you can convince yourself, if we can get a stop here and score again, all of a sudden, we can make it 24-16 with 
eight minutes left. Now we now we're back in it. Yeah. But when they when they couldn't get to two pointers, it's twenty four to six. You're still yeah. getting your butt kicked. Yeah, because it, then it was still a three score game, and you knew it was over. And you know, just what a game. I mean, it, it's thirty one to six. It, it, really, and I know Tampa scored at the end, and then they got the onside kick. When it was thirty one to six, this game's over. It's over, and this was a dominant performance by the Dallas Cowboys. We've seen them play like this. We've seen them get up, and again, I go back to the fact that they are the they had the most wins against teams with winning records in the NFL this year. But it's always the people who want to doubt, and I've I've explained this. I get the frustration. I understand it. I don't know why we're not excited about this win because now people well do it again against San Francisco, and then I'll start believing. Okay, but do you not want to enjoy this? Like, I, I don't, it drives me insane. Like, like, don't you think the Chargers wish that this was them? You don't think the Minnesota Vikings wish this was them? It's hard to win in the NFL. We've seen this franchise. Playoff wins don't grow on trees unless you're New England and Tom Brady. Bro, I mean, the thing about it was, and I, I said this, and again, I ain't bringing no news. It's just what it is. Uh, if they're going to win right now, to me, Based off of what we've seen, they need to win it with offense. And so what happens is your quarterback comes out and plays his best game in a minute. They get 425 yards, which is much more like they've been used to doing. 26 first downs, which is insane. 7 to 13 on third downs. And, you know, for at least a week, can you give Kellen Moore some love? Yeah. He was in his, he was in his bag tonight. Oh, phenomenal. Man. He had... He had several uh, really nice play calls. And again, you know, sometimes you have a nice play call and it doesn't work. But they were working tonight. He found a rhythm. And, uh, you know, I thought that fourth down call was a big call. And it was a nice call. It was brilliant. Uh, I loved you, it. Where you fake it yeah. and you hit Dalton Schultz in the flat. And, uh, you know, I've been a big Dalton Schultz critic. Uh, but he played uh, he played his ass off tonight, man. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was fantastic. And, and you know, the, the Dak touchdown run, which was badass. I loved that call. I, there was just so many of them throughout the course of the game. I really liked their jumbo package before Jason Peters got hurt. And they were bringing in McGovern. And it's almost like you had six offensive linemen out there. And that allowed yeah, you, you to do some things that were really different. And then obviously when Peters got hurt and they had to use McGovern at guard and that kind of went away. But man, when they were using that early on, I really liked that look and it was effective. No, it was effective. For, it was it, it was effect, designed to help get the run game going. Yeah. But it was also effective as a pass thing, and that's about the play caller being creative and going. Well, we're in the playoffs. What can we do to jumpstart the stuff that we've been struggling? And he came up with something. And so for that, uh, give him some credit. The defense uh, looked terrific. And what I loved, man, is Michael Parsons was like, "Hey, I'm healthy. I'm a ball out this week. Watch me." And then. <sighs> He came out and set the tone on the first series. Dude, he was everywhere. And officially, he did get credited with the sack. Two tackles for a loss. Two passes defensed. I mean, he almost had a couple that it looked like he was going to pick. And I thought, and this is something, again, we've talked, and this is something that's huge for the San Francisco game next week, I think. Part of the thing about the Cowboys and the matchup against San Francisco is, well, San Francisco runs. They're a great running team, and the Cowboys don't defend the run well. I think getting Leighton Van Der Esch back and Jonathan Hankins return tonight in the middle, having those two dudes on the field. I mean, yeah. Leighton Van Der Esch had a phenomenal game. He led the team in nine tackles. Hankins had the sack. But having Hankins in the middle, because when he was playing earlier this year after they made that trade, they actually were better against the run because they had that big-bodied guy that Quinn wants in the anchor of his defense. Then he got hurt, and they started to struggle against the run again. 
no i think uh i think you're right on that tip man i think um if they can uh they just have to they just can't get just beat up up front san francisco gonna do what they do on the ground um they're a hard matchup uh because they run the ball so well um but uh hankins gives you a shot and then you know, like you said, Vanderus is really good. Uh, one of the, but you know, that's what that's what San Francisco, and uh, we'll study them more this week. Yeah. But um, I, I think that the defense showed a lot, man. Uh, you got to wonder about J. Ryan Curse, uh, whether he just tweaked his knee or whether mm-hmm. he's uh, whether he's going to be out because with Kittle's, uh, here we go talking about San Francisco again. With Kittle's next week, you'll need somebody to be able to take care of him. Yeah, curse would be huge if something's wrong with him. I think Arch was the one that put on Twitter that he had come out of the tent, was riding the bike. So, so maybe that's a sign that hopefully he's okay. But I haven't seen anything yet about an injury update to him. But other than that, I mean, I, I don't know what else you'd want out of a playoff game. On the road, you snap the streak, you beat Tom Brady for the first time ever. You end the 0 for 8 playoff streak on the road since 1992. So now those demons, those ghosts, those whatever you want to call them, you don't even think about that moving on to San Francisco. You've shown you can win on the road in the playoffs. So, again, I I just don't know what else you would want. You know, it's not like the Cowboys got the pick to play an 8-9 and team in the playoffs but you're playing Tom Brady you're playing on the road and they went out and did I mean that was by far the best win of any team this weekend uh I mean maybe San Francisco if you want to go San Francisco but they were at home and they were heavily favored over Seattle and it was 17-16 at halftime so okay maybe that was the best win uh as I like to say man you just wanted to see the Cowboys look like Right. They have looked at other times this season. Because don't forget, you know, until the last couple of weeks, it was the sloppy win over Tennessee, even though it was by 13 points. And then that no-show in the last one that just, uh, you know, had you feeling, or at least had me feeling uneasy about, like, why are you playing your worst football right now? Why does your yeah. quarterback look like crap? Um, you know, and then, but so then to come out and play this game, I told you, man, like, I don't uh, necessarily expect them to beat San Francisco, but here's what I do know. I know that the game is all about confidence and belief. And when you believe that you're capable of, uh, of doing certain things, then you can play better than, than you are. And, and, and they're a good team. Yeah. And so if they can elevate it, they, you know, they, can, they can beat the 49ers. It won't be easy. But uh, they're capable sure. if they play their A game. I mean, we, I think we are aware of this. I mean, we've talked about this throughout the course of the year. This team can beat any team in the NFL. It, when they play the way they play tonight, they can beat anyone. And you look at this, and Archer had said this on one of our podcasts last week. The year that Mike McCarthy won the Super Bowl with Green Bay, they won three consecutive road games and then came to Dallas and beat Pittsburgh and won the, the Super Bowl. So McCarthy has done this. He's no stranger to winning playoff games on the road. He knows what it takes. Are they going to beat San Francisco? I have no idea. That is, like you said, we'll talk about it later on in the week, and we'll, we'll start looking at that. But that is a different opponent. I've said this going into the playoffs, that I thought San Francisco was probably the best team in the NFC. I, I, I think we all keep wondering when the clock is going to strike midnight for Brock Purdy, or is he just like the next coming of Tom Brady, like this super late-round quarterback that nobody knew was going to do anything, and six games into this thing is on a run. 
But this is going to be a good game because Dallas has a good defense, I think, capable of confusing him and doing some things that make Brock Purdy uncomfortable. That being said, you got to enjoy this, man. I think it's fair. If you're a fan, if, if you're a Cowboys fan, enjoy this for a couple of days and then look ahead when we get in the back part of the week because this is a playoff win and you don't get a lot of those, as we all know. What is this, number four in the last however many years? Long time. Um, I think it's a time also, man. It's just me. That uh, you know, people gotta give Mike McCarthy some credit. Yeah. Um, for all the different things that he's been able to make happen over the last couple of years. And I'm talking like, you know, I think they've won more games than anybody in the last three years. Uh I think that uh when you look at it and you see the back to back twelve win seasons and then you see the end of that streak about double-digit wins that hadn't happened since uh, consecutive years, since 95, 96, and consecutive years with the playoffs since 06, 07. Now, okay, you beat Brady once, so now you don't have to hear if you play Brady again, this whole winless streak. You got yourself a road playoff win for the first time in 30 years. He's knocked a lot of things off the, off the box, man, since he's been here. And uh, still, you got people questioning whether he's any good and should he be fired if they lose. I was like, that just seemed like some dumbassness to me. Only nine coaches in NFL history have won more playoff games than Mike McCarthy. He won his 11th career playoff game tonight. So only nine ever have won more. So if they beat San Francisco, he'll tie Bill Cowher and Tom Coughlin with 12 career playoff wins. And see, what I like about him is, like, I really did like the fourth down call. I did too. Um, I, man. Like, I like the uh, I like the one um, when they went for it and, and Dak scores the touchdown because nine nothing the way you were kicking the ass doesn't you 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 it doesn't really say much. Twelve. I mean, we thought it was going to be thirteen nothing. That's a much bigger deal. And then there's a terrific play call by Kellen Moore. I call that the Peyton Manning play, and it was a terrific play call because I don't remember seeing that anytime soon. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. they've done it before. But it hadn't been in a, in a long time. And so it was a perfect call for that situation because you hadn't showed it in a long time. And you got a mobile quarterback. And he did a lot of damage with his feet tonight, even though he didn't run a whole lot. Well, I want to get into the, the Brett Maher thing because there were uh, some negatives. Before we do that, though, if we could, I'd like to tell you guys – the podcast made possible by our sponsors and you guys that use our sponsors that help us to keep funding this thing and making it possible. Very much appreciated. HFX Foundation Solutions. You got to give them a call. If you've noticed the cracks, if you've noticed the sloped floors, the sticking doors, that crazy dry summer that DFW had last year, that's dangerous for your foundations. And then you got the monsoon of rain. And some of you started to realize, wow, I, I don't have gutters and water's just sitting on the side of my house. They handle all that. They handle your foundation issues. They can handle your drainage problems and your gutter installations. It's HFX Foundation Solutions, and they service all of DFW, man. You, you got to get out ahead of stuff like this and give Aaron and his guys a call. No, we call it a colonoscopy for your crib because colonoscopy, yeah, when you get one, gives you a peace of mind. They go in there, they check it out, make sure you're good. Same thing with your house, man. They go in there, they check it out there, make sure it's good. They give you that peace of mind that you, there's nothing lurking in your house that's going to blow up. And you get hit with a huge bill. Uh, if they do find something, chances are they find it early. And we all know if you find something early, it costs a fraction of the cost if you find something late. The best thing to do, though, is pick up the phone, give Aaron and his team over at HFX a call. Tell me you want to colonoscopy for the
period and you want it ASAP. Easy to do, man. 817-770-0174. Just check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. Also, of course, our guys over at Smokey John's Barbecue. If you haven't had a chance to check out the jam session bowl at Smokey John's Barbecue, I, I don't know what you've been waiting on. Yeah, they, what you been waiting on? I know why. They, they created a menu, well, an off-menu item, because you can't go in there and see it on the menu. You have to know it exists to be able to order it. And you only know it exists if you listen to the podcast because they created it just for you guys. It's the Jam Session Bowl. So get over there and check that out. And don't forget that they are offering the Big Game Pack just in time for your big playoff game watching. And of course, the big one coming up in February. You get this, a half gallon of brisket queso, four pounds of wings, 20 hot links. It comes with bread and chips and Smokey John's barbecue sauce and all that, all of that for $149.95. So go ahead and get your order in for the big game pack so you'll be ready for that game coming up in about a month or so or any Cowboy playoff game that you might be watching. Maybe you're having a playoff party next week. Order the big game pack, man. Get it ready to go because that is quite a deal. And, and I mean, we've talked about this before, but Smokey John slays it, man. I mean, you cannot go wrong. Nah, bro. Whatever you pick off the menu is good. Whatever you pick off off the menu is even better, uh, because jam session bowl is off the menu, and it's a uh, it's a bowl with either mac and cheese or mashed potato base. Either one of them is really fantastic. It's whatever you're in the mood for, and then your choice of two out of five smoked meats. Your boy usually rocks with the brisket and the sausage, and then dog. That's when they go to work. They spit all that stuff that you find on a loaded baked potato, like sour cream and chives and butter and bacon bits. And then they drizzle it with that sauce. Mm. It's, I mean, it's to die for, brother. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. Check them out if you're in the DFW area. They're right there in off Mockingbird in between 35 and Love Field, just north of downtown Dallas. Or find them online. You can order their sauce, their rub. They'll mail it to you wherever you are at SmokeyJohns.com online. So, Brett Maher. I mean, nobody's ever seen anything like this because it's never happened in the history of the NFL. There has never been ever a kicker miss four extra points in a single game. And, you know, I've seen a couple of these where the stat comes out, and I think it was Todd Archer that I saw that had it first, that since 1932, <laughs> Brett Maher is the only player in any, in any NFL game, regular season or playoffs, to miss four extra points in one game. It's never happened before. And it, I mean, you talk about getting in your own head, man, because he misses the first two and then he, he misses the second, the third one to the completely other side. Well, yeah, it was clear he was over, overcompensating on that third one. Uh, then it's clear, you know, that he missed the other one going back the other way. Uh, the good thing is he did finally hit the last one. Um, but, uh, you know, man, that that's, you know, my sister's blowing my phone up. And she rarely texts uh, text me during a Cowboys game, like almost never. And she's like, what the fuck is going on with your kicker? And I told her, I said, really, if, if you take the emotion of, of watching it from a Cowboys perspective or, or because your team is playing, it's pretty clear, man. And, and Matt knows this and anybody who plays golf knows this. You show up at the, at, at the course and today is the day you can't get it on the fairway. You're left, you're right. You can't hit it straight to save your life. And that, to me, is just what happened. He, uh, he He's small technical adjustment because the only good thing is when he was missing them to the right, 
they were like a foot off. It wasn't like they were six feet off. Yeah. So it's clear it was a technical, a small technical thing, because then you can tell he tried to overcompensate because he hit it, you know, one foot off to the left. And then even when he missed the fourth one, it went over the bar. It just didn't go inside the bar. Um, and then the last one, he hit right down the middle. And you hope the last one hitting right down the middle is the one that gets him back right. Because don't forget, he missed the last one. He missed the only one against Washington last week. Uh, yeah. But that brings up the question, what do you do? Because if it's me, bro, this is real talk, dog. Like, you probably have to bring some kickers in. And maybe there's some veteran off the street. I'm sure there, I mean, there's always a veteran kicker off the street. But you might even have to carry him, man, because I can't give you multiple missed points against the 49ers. Yeah. Like, you know, I might just have to carry an extra kicker, be like, yo, he's here, dog. It's yours. But if you can't, you know, if you if you can't make the first one, bro, you the the quick the trigger is quick this week because the the uh, margin for error is so small against San Francisco. Yeah, because you can't be doing that and then I know that we all thought, okay, great. So the Cowboys are going to have this lead and then somehow they're going to come back and the Bucks will win by like two points because Maher missed four extra points. Now, obviously, that didn't end up happening and they bailed him out. And all in all, I mean, you look at his body of work this season. He was 91% on field goals. He was 9 of 11 from 50 plus, 6 of 7 from 40 to 49. I mean, he was 5 of – he was perfect from inside 40 this year. He's 14 of 14 on field goals inside 40. And he missed three extra points throughout the course of the season. As you pointed out, Jacques, he missed one at Washington. Man, but when I'm, – I'm with you. Because you just you can't risk that, and what if it is something when he goes out there and he's thinking about it? You you can't miss a extra point against San Francisco. You know the interesting thing, and I wondered this was whether he was just screwed up on extra points. Like when they finally went for it again on fourth down, and CD scores that touchdown. Uh, I I fully think that Maher's situation contributed to them going for it. But I also wondered, like, if he could have gotten off the fit, off the extra point line where it's 33 yards, and just tried another kick, whether he'd have been, whether it would have been the same mental deal. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Because it's no longer an extra point. The extra points are what's in my head, not regular field goals. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, yeah, man. I mean, that's that's like where I mean, it's the craziest thing. Because it just became comical, and then everybody's like, okay, we'll just keep going. You know, now you got to go for two. And then the fact, I think, that they had such a large lead, it allowed you, okay, we'll get out there and nail one. So as you pointed out, I mean, maybe that gives him some confidence moving into next week. Because you're right, man. I mean, San Francisco, I points are going to be at a premium in the game against San Francisco. These are both two very good defenses, as I think everybody is well aware of. It, it, if you get a touchdown next week, you got to have you got to have the seven. I mean, these are two of the top <laughs> six scoring defenses. I mean, th- this right, very right. well may be a game that is 19 to 17, something like that, where you got to have that extra point. No, I think uh, I think so. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they play it, uh, whether they just like, yo, dog, you ain't really give us much choice. We got to bring kickers out just to just to make sure. You know, or whether they go the other other approach, which is uh, you drilled that last one right down the middle. Okay, so you're back now. Clearly, that was just a a freak of nature thing. But I'm here to tell you, bro. The problem is, I've been around long enough that I've seen good kickers 
literally just lose it. Like Richie Cunningham, who some of y'all probably don't even know of or haven't remembered, he was like a terrific kicker for the Cowboys for like two seasons. Yeah. And he literally just lost it, and he was no good anymore. Dan Bailey was like automatic for like seven seasons. And then he almost just lost it overnight. Yeah, it's true, he did. Um, and so with kickers, man, they could be great until they're not. And uh, uh, it's more bizarre to me because he's been so good this year. I mean, he's. I thought he should have been like certainly all pro. I mean, certainly a pro bowl. Yeah. But maybe even all pro because he was killing it from 50 and beyond. And it was just like, wow. Bro. Yeah, he was fantastic this season. That's why that was such an anomaly. But again, much like last week was an anomaly for this entire team. That's what's so weird is to see them come out and it's just it makes last week even more perplexing where you're just like, I mean, what in the hell was that? Which is why you just throw away the tape and you move on because they came out tonight. And this is where now and I understand this very much so from all Cowboys fans. Because now, like I, I, I truly expected they would win tonight. I really did. I do not feel that way going in the next week because San Francisco is a colossally better team than Tampa Bay. And this is what we've seen the Cowboys do. This, it's not the wild card round that scares me for this team. It's the divisional round <laughs> because that's the hurdle they can't get over. So always, oh, they're one and done. They're, I'm not, no, they're not. Like, like, they, like somebody mentioned that to me today. They're like, well, usually they lose their first playoff game more often than the, like in the last 30 years. And I was like, actually, in the last 30 years, they've made the playoffs 15 times and they've won a playoff game in eight of those years. So you're wrong. But this is what everybody thinks of. Like when they think they're one and done, they're thinking of this next round that they can't get past, whether it's winning the division and getting a bye, lose the divisional round, win a wild card game, losing the divisional round. This is the hurdle now because I'm excited. I'm stoked. I'm enjoying this win. But coming up next week is the hurdle. Are you truly different? Can you really do something? Or are you what we've seen for the past 27 years? Yeah, you know, man, this is, uh, you know, what's interesting about this to me is, uh, I mean, I know they were the favorites this week, but it felt like they that they weren't the way people were talking yeah, about. No including doubt. Me, including me. Uh, I wonder if they will be able to, because they'll be the underdogs next week, if they'll be able to take some of that, I normally call it bullshit, uh, take some of that us against the world mentality. Nobody thinks we're worth a damn. We Everybody thinks we suck. Yeah. Let's go, sh let's go show them that we don't. I wonder if they can bottle some of that and uh, take it with them to San Francisco and figure out how to come up with a dub. I don't know, but they are the underdog. It is open. San Francisco is a four-point favorite at home next week against Dallas. And we'll see. I mean, they, obviously, there's that motivation. This is a team that knocked you out. Again, another one of those where you just like, oh, really? Like, you, you know, come on, last year. But this is that hurdle, man. I mean, fairly or unfairly, much like like McCarthy would say, and everybody associated with this would tell you, everything that has happened in the past has no reflection on this year's team because of how many different guys there are. None of those guys were there in 92, the last time there was a road playoff game, all this type of thing. But that's the reality of the franchise, and we've talked about this, is yeah, we, we punish the current team for the sins of all the other teams that have failed. 
And so now it's kind of up to you to smash through that ceiling that 27 teams before you have not been able to do. That's, but see, I think that's a fan and media creation. I don't think players. I don't think. No, and I agree. It is. It totally play, is. Uh, uh, and McCarthy did good to acknowledge it for anybody on the team who might have been thinking that. But literally, like, I don't have anything to do with what happened four years ago. Right. Because <laughs> I was in college or I wasn't here. Or yeah. I was on another team. So none of that matters to me. And I think when, you're, when your leaders are really leaders, and I think that Dallas has good leadership, I don't think that particular thing really matters because, again, they've only been here. You know, McCarthy is only responsible for what happened the last sure. three years. And, hell, Dak was hurt the first year. Yep. And uh, I think that's the approach that they'll take. I mean, I don't think they'll feel any pressure about that. This is fans going crazy because of their disappointment because they're the only constant over the, uh, with the franchise. Right, and, and, and that's exactly what it is. But it, it's, again, for like the franchise as a whole – you know, the players are going to come and go. And some of them will love more because you win rings and others of you won't because you didn't get us one. And, and that's what it is. But we're, we love the franchise and we love the team no matter what over the years. And you want to have that as a fan. But yes, I mean, the players, the coach, like, well, what the hell does that have to do with me? I wasn't a part of that. I, I, was, I didn't fumble the snap in Seattle. I mean, what do you, you know, that type of thing. Exactly. But that's what we've experienced. And so now we want you to show us, we want this franchise to punch through that and, and take us there. I mean, get me to the NFC Championship game and I will be beyond myself. And how wild is it that three of the four NFC East teams are moving on? The Giants will play the Eagles, the Cowboys obviously against the Niners, and if Dallas beats San Francisco, they'll, they'll either host the Giants for the NFC title or go on the road to Philadelphia and they'll have to have a third matchup against one of those teams if, big if, they can beat San Francisco. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think all that is cool. Uh, but I'm now just probably more convinced. And I, I again, I ain't breaking news tonight, man. It's about four, man. It's about the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, he ended his personal streak of seven straight games with an interception. And if he plays. Um, I mean, I don't know that he's going to play this good again next week. But if he just plays his normal good game where he's a good quarterback, then they'll have a shot uh, because they'll spread the ball around and move the ball around. Um, you know, maybe Tony Pollard can do some things and create some big plays. But if Dak plays well, then they'll have a shot. Uh, he's got to outplay Purdy. And Purdy's been pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. He has been, though, man. I mean, Purdy has been playing – Way better than I think any of us thought he would play. I mean, he became, I mentioned this the other day, he, he became the first quarterback drafted in the seventh round in the last 30-whatever years to win a playoff game. And so Brock Purdy's got that going for him. It's going to be tough. What do you make of San Francisco with this weird scheduling quirk? They get two extra days of rest, two extra days to prepare because they played Saturday, the Cowboys play Monday, and now they got to turn around, they both play Sunday. It's just life in the big city, baby. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think the rest will help. But that ain't, that's not going to be why they win or lose a game. Uh, we've seen teams play on short weeks, four days, and come to Dallas and win where Dallas had, you know, a week off to prep for. I mean, so just show up and play. Uh, don't be looking for excuses and ways out and, and reasons why you can't do this or that. 
just go prepare and play. It's the playoffs, man. Everybody wants to play. And, uh, you know, go get it done. Yeah, and as everybody is well aware of, I mean, San Francisco has won, what, 11 in a row, including the playoff game over the Seattle. Yeah, bro, they are smoking hot right now. Their offense, in their last four games, their offense, 37, 37, 38, 41 in four straight games. And again, defensively, they led the NFL. They, they led the NFL in scoring defense. So uh, you said it coming in. The Cowboys can beat any team. We have seen them play at a level. They can beat any team in the NFL. They're going to have to play their A game to beat San Francisco. Because I do think San Francisco is probably the best team in the NFC right now. I am curious, though. Can Dan Quinn come up with something? Micah Parsons, with, with it, the, some of the things he can do, you know, Brock Purdy gets under. It's the same as anybody, man. If, if you make that dude uncomfortable and he sees some things he's never seen because he's only – this is his seventh career start, maybe you can confuse him a little bit and get a turnover or two that can swing things in your favor. We'll see. Yeah, you have to – clearly you got to make him uncomfortable. Uh, thing is, he's a, he's a guy who, who can make plays out of move. He's a mobile yeah. guy. He's not a runner, I don't think, but he's a mobile guy. He can extend plays and uh, – you know, that's a problem. Any of those cats who can do that, it's a problem. It is a problem. So the Cowboys. They've also, they've also got, man, McCaffrey who could bust your ass and yeah, Debo Samuel uh, who yeah. can bust your ass and Kittles who can bust your ass. Yeah, they got all kinds of speed and quickness. And Shanahan, I mean, Shanahan's such a damn good play caller. I mean, he will have something. The Cowboys, they, I guarantee you there will be a play or two in this game that they're like, yeah, we, we watched tape for the last three seasons and we've never seen that play. Yeah. Like Shanahan will just have something and it'll go for something huge. I mean, that's just the dude is on that level. And, and we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But enjoy this for the next couple of days because this is awesome. The Cowboys have won a playoff game. Their season continues. We said all season they're one of the top four teams in the NFC. They have proven that. They are one of the top four teams in the NFC. Can they be one of the top two? <laughs> We'll find, find out. out. It's Sunday next next week. It's January 22nd. That game coming up on Sunday. It's a, I believe it's a 530 kick. It's that weird, not night, like late evening, not afternoon, but not nighttime kick. 530 yeah. next Sunday in San Francisco. So get ready for it. All right. So before we get into this trip around the block, let's tell you about Bruce Bill Tong, man. Bruce Bill Tong, as Jacques likes to tell you, the butt strips, because that is literally what the word Bill Tong means. It is a South African air dried meat. It is delicious. Bruce Bill Tong, B-R-U-S. B-I-L-T-O-N-G online at bruisebiltong.com and you get to try it for 15% off on your first order, your 10th order, just because you listen to the podcast, man. And this is one of those snacks that once you get into Biltong, like if you're a beef jerky fan, once you have Bruce Biltong, I, I don't know that you can go back to beef jerky. And once you try Biltong, you're like, damn, this is really good. It's lean. It's healthy. There's zero sugar. There's no artificial ingredients. It makes a perfect snack. Don't lie to the people, dog. Once you have Bill Tong, you ain't going back to beef jerky. It's, yeah. pretty, it's, it's pretty simple, man. It's uh, 240 calories, man, in a two-ounce pouch, 30 grams of proteins. You can have guns like your boy. Bang, bang, bang! I um, know <laughs> I like to surprise y'all sometimes. Nice. Day. But it's a great snack, man, on the real. Uh, if you're looking for something locale in the middle of the day, keep you full, this is the way to go. It's succulent, it's tender, it's juicy, it's everything that beef jerky ain't. And that's why we tell y'all, once you go 
Biltong, you never go back. I like that. Once you go Biltong, you <laughs> never go back. But it's true because it's really, really good. I mean, I, I honestly think you guys will really enjoy this. So check it out. It's bruisebiltong.com and make sure you use that promo code JAM15, J-A-M-15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. Also, of course, Freeway Tire Shop making this thing happen. JR and his guys over at Freeway, whether it's a state inspection, an oil change, alignment, tires, obviously, it's Freeway Tire Shop, but they do everything. Big time engine work. They handle it, and he stands behind his work. The mechanic you can trust, man, and that's why I know, Jacques, you're all... We say you're there all the time because you drive so damn much that it's like you, you got to make sure your car is working correctly. And JR is the guy that you trust to take care of that for you. Yeah, I be laughing, man. One of the reasons I have a lot of cars is they're all paid off. Uh, and so and I, and I keep them for a while. And then, you know, when you start keeping them for a while, it's like my Challenger. Even though you get a new engine in it, that's new. Guess what is old? Everything around it. Um, but the reason I go to JR and I, I take my cars there is because, um, one, you can trust them to diagnose what the heck is wrong with it. You can trust them to use quality parts to fix it. And then I like this, man. You can trust him to charge you a fair price, and you can trust him to stand behind his work. If you can find somebody who can match all four of those, well, then go to him. And if you can't, then go right up 35, get off of Commonwealth. It's about five minutes north of downtown. Go through the light. JR's on the right. You cannot miss him. Nah, he'll take care of you, man. It is Freeway Tire Shop. You can schedule an appointment or request a quote. Just jump online there at freewaytireshop.com. So as we get into a little bit of a fun conversation here, you made the announcement. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast, but I know we can now because I saw you posted it on Twitter. You posted it on Facebook, but you had a big personal announcement within the last week that we've I've known about for a long time, but we couldn't make public. And you've got a book that'll be coming out pretty soon that you've been working on. And that's kind of why you've been following Dion and Jackson State for the last several months. Uh, yeah, bro. It's, uh, I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, I told a few people, but not very many. A uh, publisher asked me to keep it as, as quiet as I was going to keep anything, which for me, you know, I'm not really a secret keeper. I'm a journalist. I'm all about putting stuff out there. But uh, no, I've been I've been uh, working on a book about uh, Dion's season this year at Jackson State. And it's uh, it's been a really fascinating uh, experience. Uh, you know, the book is going to be titled uh Deion sanders uh i'm sorry I, I can't remember the name of it <laughs> Deion sanders the making of men and the quest for one perfect season uh, so that's the title of it it's uh it is uh, obviously a cool deal i've written a couple other books but nothing anything remotely close to this the other books to me were kind of like you're writing independent chapters you stick them all together it's like writing 20 feature stories you stick them all together you bind it you call it a book you sell it and that's cool at one level don't get me wrong yeah uh this is what i would tr- call a, a real book where you're trying to to uh, arc storylines throughout several chapters from the beginning to end you're tying everything together and uh, to be honest with you, bro, it uh, I didn't really think I ever wanted to do a book because I like the what I've always enjoyed is the day to day of uh, newspapers often call it like a baseball player. You yeah, know, you can have a bad story. You can have a couple bad stories or stories you're not pleased with. You know, that's like going over three. And then you can have a couple stories that you love. That's like home runs. But if you have something you don't like within a day or two, you can replace it with something you do like. Uh, and I never really thought I had the patience to do a book because it's, it's a long time, a long process. But um, when I did that Sports Illustrated story last year, it got such good reviews that uh, literally a couple days after that, 
uh, the people at HarperCollins called me, uh, my editor, uh, Rakia Clark, and she was like, hey, love your story. What do you think writing about a book? Hmm. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah. I said, uh, yeah. So we talked. Uh, she introduced me to uh, her boss. We had a Zoom call, and bro, this deal literally got done in probably about five or six days. And uh, it's been a great experience. Dion, uh, with my experience, my relationship with him back from 95, back when he played, it's been great. He uh, he basically gave me access to the building. I, I was able to sit in on team meetings and position meetings and his meetings. Uh, There's only two times he didn't let me me hang out and one of those was his meeting with Travis Hunter at the very start of the season when he was going to determine whether he was going to play or not and that's Travis the five star cornerback yeah. receiver uh, but uh, outside of that bro I was I could go anywhere and do anything and talk to anybody I want and uh, that to me was a blessing and so now we're just in the grind part and the writing part so how long does that take like once you you get into the grind part and the writing part like is there like a dead set date that you have to have that it's supposed to go to the publisher or whatever Oh, yeah, that date is March 1st, my friend. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so six weeks. Yeah, normally, normally you have a couple of years to write a book um, of this magnitude. Um, but because it's about the 2022 season, you yeah. have to hurry up and get it out. Uh, but I, I've been following the team since July. Uh, I've been writing all along the way. And so, you know, I would say I'm probably a little more than halfway through. But, um, you know, I'm in a part now where I probably I usually just get up. And I try to write eight hours a day. Damn, really? <laughs> yeah, but it's not all straight writing. For example, like today I was writing, but you know I had to listen to a, a I had to transcribe a tape, which I normally don't do. But this was a really good interview, and so I went through it because I was going to use most of it. So that took some time. And then you write, and then I like to, as you write, sometimes you have questions that need to be answered. Like I need to double, like I sent a text to somebody in the middle of writing and said, hey, what kind of truck do you have and what color is it? Is it navy blue or is it black? I can't remember. And is it a Ram or is it a F-250? Because in a book, now this is a Jacques Taylor philosophy. Number one, a book is all about details because you have so much more room and you're trying to take place, people places where they haven't been. And then number two, uh, especially with D.I., um, he's put so much of his program on social media that people feel like they know it. Uh, but there's still a ton that isn't on social media. So it's for me to to reveal some secrets to people like you should read you should read a book in three. And, you, you know, you read a lot of books. So tell me what you think. A book like this three or four times in a book, you should read. You should say, fuck, really? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, that's what you should do three or four times during the book be it some sure. simple fact like I was reading Howard uh, Bryant's book on Ricky Henderson and at one point he said something I'm paraphrasing here he's like Ricky couldn't read and I was like oh shit really <laughs> and so he, he hooked me for another chapter um, but there should be some things in there that are like that and um, you know I was uh, I was uh, you know sometimes chasing down facts which give it uh, which bring the book to life. That's the that's f for me the fun part. That's also the hard part, the tedious part. And so when I say it takes eight hours, sometimes it's eight hours because you're writing, you're stopping to go research something mm. right quick. You got to look at a you know, because of his his program. You got to look at the video to make sure was it four guys he was talking to or was it three guys? Um, all that kind of stuff. Man, that's wild because you know you hear about this process, but 
I mean, like, right, like these, these guys that write books, like the size that you're talking about, like you said, you know, you work on it for a year or whatever, and you basically have been, and that's, that's essentially your full-time job. You're just writing constantly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is the job really, bro. So uh, when, when it's all said and done, so you, you write what I'm, is your book and then you send it to an editor and then they would chisel it down or whatever. No, I just sent you something. So you get a, it'll be good for you to now tell people help explain what I'm talking about when I'm talking about details, something I just sent you. Uh, now, I think this is the way it goes, because remember, I haven't done a book like this before. What happens is I write the book and then I send it to the editor and she doesn't chisel it down. She's more like, hey, this is really good, but I think you can use more here or this is so technical. I don't think you need to get that football centric. So why don't you make that more broad? It's more of a collaboration than a partnership. And uh, her trying to get the best book out of you. Okay. So is, is there a requirement for length? Like, does it have to be, is it words? Is it pages that they go for? No, this is, um, I believe, because I haven't looked lately, but I think it's 75,000 words. That seems like if a it's lot. Not, <laughs> if it's not 75,000 words, then it's 70,000 words. So 75 is a number that sticks in my head. Let me see how many pages that is. I mean, I just Googled how many words are on a page. On average, it's 300. Well, this is, they got a different. So I'd be like, you're probably like a 300 page book, I would guess. It's close. It's yeah. um, uh, based off of their formula. It's about 275 pages. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing is I have probably written, I'm not exaggerating here. I just did my own calculations. I'm probably at about 55,000 words. God, already? Probably. Jeez, man. Because that's, I've written about 15 chapters. There are about 4,000 words a chapter. So that's 60,000. I probably have about 10 chapters left to write. Um, but what will happen is, and again, I haven't done this before, uh, so I don't know if that length is strict or if they go, oh, this is better than we thought. So, yeah, if you want to if, if if as long as it's good, yeah, go longer. But I do know this, whether you're writing a magazine article or you're writing a blog post, I mean, or a newspaper article is a hell of a lot easier if you got too much material and too much information than not enough. I just know that. So, you know, if it uh, if I send in ninety five thousand words and she says, Jacques, this is great. Yeah. But you can't write more than 80 then i can still go back and the way i've written it it wouldn't take me you know that long my ego would take longer but the actual process of cutting it down i got you would not take so long because of the way i've written it i don't know if i uh i'll tell you off air how i did it (laughs) okay i don't i don't tell all my stuff i need i need to leave some suspense for when y'all read it because the way i set it up is really good and again i keep saying this because i haven't done it before but uh i wrote a chapter this summer or you know early in the fall and i sent it to her and i said hey check this out because this is going to be my approach and if this ain't my approach i need to know now so i don't i don't write everything like this and she read it and she sent it back a day or so later. She's like, oh, no, this is fantastic. This is great. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I said, oh, OK, cool. And uh, at one level, I wasn't really surprised. And here's why, bro. 
when I started off in my, I call it my career, but I was a high school journalist. Yeah. Uh, my journalism teacher in high school was like, oh, you're so good. Da, 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 da. Have you done this before? I go, not really. But what had I done, Matt? I've been reading the sports page since I was seven, six or seven years old. Mm. And so just through osmosis, it's like, here's how a sports story should sound. Uh, when I did the SI piece last year, I had ne- obviously I'd never written for SI before, but I was like, yeah. this is how SI pieces read. This is how they feel. And so it turned out really well. And so I had, when I got this, uh, when I got this job, I listened to several books like this about team like I, I went and listened to John Feinstein's uh, Season Out of Brink I listened to uh, Kat, Kit Babb's book on a, on a uh, inner city team from New Orleans that won four straight state championships and I, I just listened to a few of them to see how they what approach they took I even listened to a book on a season at Michigan under Harbaugh wow you know how painful that was jeez alright <laughs> but um, I did all of that dog just to get a feel, not to copy it, but just to get a feel for how these books are written. And so, um, when I, so when I wrote that chapter and presented it to her, and she was like, cool, this is great. I was like, all right, I feel good about how I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I know how I'm going to do it. And so now I feel uh, really comfortable about it. And, uh, you know, let's go. So it goes to the publisher. Your deadline's March 1st. And do you have any idea when it's supposed to be released yet? Yeah, it should be out. Uh, let me double check. Because uh, I didn't realize this. Publishing dates are Tuesdays. It should be out really? Tuesday. Yeah, they publish on Tuesday. Interesting. It should be out to Tuesday, September 12th. Okay, nice. So right at the beginning of the college football season, essentially. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, I guess that's interesting because like new videos, like new movies and stuff, like for you to rent on Prime now, it used to be in video stores or whatever. They always were released on Tuesdays. Now, I remember that. I don't know why. Uh, she told me why, but I can't remember why. Because there's a whole lot of questions I asked about the process. Like, why does it take so long? Yeah, man, that is, because uh, if you turn it in, that's, that's what, six months? Yeah, and it's not really about the book, per se, the, the copy. Yeah. It's really about getting the marketing machine behind it and all that stuff so you create this wave of momentum heading into the release. And they need time to do that. That makes sense. All right, so I'm sure we'll talk about that later on throughout the course of the year, but that's kind of a cool process, a little behind the scenes of the new book that Jacques got coming out. Yeah. I'm excited to read times, it. Bro. It'll be good. No, it's, it's, uh, it will be good, bro, for real. No, I believe it. <laughs> I, I have no doubt. I mean, just on the little things that I've picked up from you, you know, stuff that you've told me in that program, I mean, actually reading the story of it all, I think will be fascinating. No, it will be because it's a... Um, it's I've you know I've learned so much not just about football but it's uh, there are so many stories about the cats playing on the team that you just go oh my god really and it'll just blow your mind. So look forward to that later on in the year as we all will. The other thing that I wanted to bring up because I thought you know we all go to the grocery store we all have to buy stuff and. I think I might have mentioned this before, but I'm an egg person. Like I eat eggs like crazy. I eat three eggs every single morning, usually at least Monday through Friday and sometimes on Saturday as well. And that's just what I eat for breakfast. I eat eggs. And then I usually will have like a little thing of Greek yogurt. But egg prices, I don't know if people have realized this, but egg prices because of a outbreak of avian flu, egg prices have skyrocketed 
from $1.71 on average for a dozen large grade A eggs in December of 2021 to 13 months later, an average of four twenty five for a dozen eggs. Okay, now check this out, bro. I don't, uh, I don't eat a lot of eggs. What do I do eat a lot of, though? Something egg with whites. protein. Yeah, egg whites. Egg okay. Whites. So I went to get some egg whites yesterday, and they were, I got them at Costco. Yeah. Like I always do. But I hadn't gotten any in a minute because I've been traveling back and forth. Um, they were eleven eighty eight for a box of six cartons. Damn. Which, which, I mean, at one level, compared to what you would pay in a grocery store, it's not much. But I remember when they were seven eighty eight or six I think they were seven eighty eight. And it was about a year ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's pretty wild, uh, man. Dude. Um, groceries are just stuff in general. I think I mentioned this to you one time. I'm not even talking about groceries. Um, I went to go buy a soda, which I never do. And so I was shocked to see that one 16-ounce soda is like 270, 269. Yeah. And I was like, it ain't that serious, bro. Y'all can keep this shit. And so then I went over and said, well, since I'm not going to get a soda today, perhaps I'll treat myself to a Reese's peanut butter cup. And that thing was literally two seventy. I said, "Gee, y'all can keep y'all can keep this too, bro." Uh, so now, nah, man, uh, I don't know if it's inflation or what, but everything is uber expensive these days. Yeah, it is, man. And that's like I've noticed egg prices, but like I always look at it like, okay, I mean, if I if I eat three eggs every day and a dozen eggs costs you know four bucks, then I divide that by three. I mean, how many? So you get a dozen eggs. So obviously you get three days worth. So basically for a dollar twenty five or whatever it is, I'm eating breakfast for a dollar twenty five. Right, right, right. Like when you break it down that way to me, I still think that it's fairly affordable because that's that's literally basically all I I mean, I eat very lean and very low during the week. And then on the weekends, you know, I kind of it's like whatever, but that's just kind of how I am. But I didn't realize this because they're still navigating this avian flu, which is the deadliest outbreak ever recorded. 58 million birds have been affected in the United States since last year. Of those birds that were effective, 43 million of them were egg laying hens. Wow. For whatever reason. And so the demand for this is what's nuts. So the demand for eggs started going up. Because as inflation came in, people would stop, they, they stopped buying some of the more expensive grocery items because eggs are really cheap and they're healthy for the most part and they have high protein and all that type of stuff. So they say that as people were scaling back on more expensive items like, like meat and whatnot, they started buying more eggs and then this outbreak hit and now eggs have skyrocketed because one, the demand is high and two, all these millions and millions of birds were affected with avian flu. So the, the, the supply for the demand is nowhere near enough and i didn't realize this apparently like stores like kroger's all over dfw kroger has a limit on the amount of eggs that you can buy apparently they only allow you to buy three cartons of eggs really per- oh, you know what bro i thought it <laughs> i thought it was odd when i went to costco and they said limit two on egg whites now you know and i was i was thinking it was because of the price i was like really the price is not this is not that low that you need to be limiting it but now now i see it 
I mean, this is insane, man. Like, apparently, so Trader Joe's and a dozen eggs is four twenty nine right now. At H E B in the DFW area, a dozen eggs is five fifty four. My God! I mean, that's I mean for a dozen eggs, that's a lot. Hell yeah! And I mean, we've all noticed that, like especially like with turkey and, and the different meats. I mean, I've gone to get meat now, and the turkey that I like, I mean, it it has literally gone up like four bucks a thing, to a point where sometimes I'm like, God, man, really? Like, I mean, what are we doing here with this? It's That's out of control. True. Absolutely. And apparently, I mean, because we all thought, oh, it'll get better. The supply chain will figure it out. And they're still, I think they still think that the supply chain issues that you see that, that are still affecting some of this might actually get closer to back what they were before the pandemic, like maybe mid-2023. But it's not there yet. And and. Because we all go to the grocery store and you see items that are out or items that are really low. I mean, I've been to the store before and they didn't have a sink, like not one single brand uh, in anything of turkey. And I was like, what the hell? What? what I mean, what is this? <laughs> like you just don't in that. Yeah. I mean, you talk about first world problems and first world privilege when you go to the grocery store and you, you just you, it, it, we don't expect them to ever be out of anything. Dude. And it's really yeah. weird when they are. No, you're absolutely right, right there, bro. Because uh, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, to me, it's kind of like gas at one level. You just need it, so you just go get it. Uh, but what happens is I draw the line at stuff that I don't need. Yeah. So whatever eggs are, yeah, I'm gonna pay it. But all that other stuff, like soda, I wanted a piece of chocolate. Yeah, that's where I get like, nah, ain't doing it. Uh, you know, because for whatever reason, I just have certain stuff I just don't want to pay for. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, it, that that's just kind of how it is, you know? But I'm also a grocery shopper. I much prefer to just shop at home. I mean, I much prefer to go grocery shopping and cook at the house. Yeah, I mean, I've started to get more so that way. And, you know, as a matter of fact, because we went to Atlanta this past weekend, which is really close to, I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, we can get to Atlanta in less than two hours from where we live. So it's, it's a really quick trip over there. And so we went to Atlanta this past weekend with a couple of friends. And this morning, I had like an egg white scramble at this place we went. And I was like, man, I need to start doing this. Like, because they threw chicken sausage, mushroom, spinach, onion into this egg white scramble. And it was incredible. And I was like, man, I just, I just scramble eggs. I ought to, I don't know why I don't start throwing something in there. Bro, throw something in there, bro. Here's all you need to do. This is the Jacques Taylor omelet approach. In case you haven't done it before, just throw it in the skillet first and throw the eggs around it. Keep the low, the heat kind of medium so they cook it around the same time. Yeah. Piece of cake. Yeah. And that's what I got to figure out how to make sure that it all, you know, cause generally speaking, like whatever sausage you buy, you could, it, it's, it's usually pre-cooked. You know, and you can eat it, but you just want to warm it up a little bit or, you know, maybe get a little grill mark on it or something in the skillet. But there was that for you. And then I had I had something for you. OK, what do you got? Because I found this interesting. And I'm just curious because I know you had an interesting experience. Uh, so I was up in New York City last week uh, doing a variety of things. Yeah. I stayed at an Airbnb because, you know, <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I used to just be like, I need to stay in a hotel. But now you're like, I have options. I can stay in an Airbnb depending on the city and how easy it is to get where I'm trying to go or stay in a hotel. So it's just a good, good deal and good options. So remember last week I told you I got caught up in the in the FAA fiasco. 
So here's what happened. Oh, so, damn. Okay. Well, so I couldn't get out of town. They canceled my flight. Yeah. And so I called the Airbnb host. It was it was a lovely room. Uh, nothing wrong with the room at all. I called my Airbnb host, and I said, uh, hey, FAA thing happened. I sent some screenshots. I'm not trying to scam you. Here's the deal. She said, uh, okay. She made some phone calls. She said, okay, you're good for another night. You just need to be gone by 8 o'clock the next morning. I said, ah, oh, that's beyond kind of you. I appreciate it. Well, I get, I, I'm thinking my flight's canceled. I mean, it was. They sent me something that said, hey, it's canceled. And so I started doing some work and some other stuff. And then I got an email at like 1030 that said, no, I'm sorry, 1050. Mm. They said, we've rebooked you on a 1230 flight. Well, bro, I'm not at the airport. I haven't even taken a shower. Why? My, my flight's canceled. So I'm in New York. If it's in Dallas, I wouldn't panic because I know the airport. I know how to get where I'm going. I know everything about the airport. I get there an hour, 45 minutes before the flight. I feel that confident. I have no idea about New York. So I got to, I don't even take a shower, bro. I throw on some clothes. I throw my stuff in the bag because remember my flight's canceled. I hadn't even packed. Yeah. So I throw all my stuff in the bag, take an Uber there. Luckily, the flight got delayed by like 45 minutes. So I ended up getting to the plane fine. So I called and said, hey, uh, thank God I got on a flight. I'm headed to Dallas. Now, I just told you I had less than two hours to get from the Airbnb to the airport. I didn't even take a shower. I just left. The next day, bro, I get a text. I get a whatever it was, a letter, whatever, from from uh, Airbnb. Host is requesting additional pay. And I go, for what? And dude, this person, this host, has taken a picture where um, there were two towels left on the floor. One in the bathroom. In one, it was a it was a studio, so there's only one room. One yeah. in the other room. There was a water bottle under a desk. She's taking pictures of all this, and the dishes in the dishwasher had not been turned on. Weird. And uh, I don't know. I guess in my haste, I forgot to flush the toilet. Now I drank a lot of water, so it wasn't a lot of yellow pee. But I guess I forgot to flush it. That's on me. Okay. okay. All right. Dude, and she said I broke some ceramic branches, and she took a picture of them, and she said she wanted seventy five dollars. <laughs> okay. So, so bro, this is my approach to this. One number one, I was mad at myself because typically when I stay at a place like this, because I had a bad experience one yeah. time, I literally take a video before I leave. Um, but I didn't do it on this time because I was so rushed. But I was thinking to myself. Like, seriously, like, anybody who's staying in an Airbnb, there's a cleaning fee attached. Yes, there is. To what you do, okay? So, bro, I, I literally said, okay, you walked in, and, okay, I didn't flush the toilet. I'm not sure how that happened, but you took a picture that said I didn't flush it. I'm just asking, Matt, how long does it take to flush a toilet? Three seconds? If that. There's two towels on the floor. Now, again, uh, you pay for a cleaning service. How long does it take you to pick up two towels with the gloves on your hands so you don't have to touch somebody else's towel? I, I put that at 20 seconds. There's a water bottle under the thing. I say maybe it took you five seconds to walk over and pick up the water bottle. 
and put that in the trash. She said, yeah. you left trash in it all over the apartment? Bro, you know what I did? I put all the trash in one bag and left the bag in the middle of the apartment. Yeah. And the dishes in the dishwasher were dirty. Okay, maybe it takes you five seconds to hit the button and put clean. I mean, to start the dishwasher, bro. And the ceramic brats, she said, you purposely broke my ceramic brats. Now, let me ask you something, Matt. Accidents happen. And so if you if I had purpose, if I had accidentally broken those branches and there were like a lot of them, it seemed staged to me, Matt, the branches. I it wouldn't really be surprised. Did. No, like for real. It really did. Um, if I had broken them, I would have said, hey, I, I accidentally hit this and knocked it over and broke these branches off the ceramic. Uh, you know, what do I need to do? Because it wasn't it wouldn't have been that serious. Yeah. So to make a long story short, I looked at seventy, seventy-five dollars, which whichever one she wanted. I started laughing, but then I realized this is like a serious thing for Airbnb. So I wrote this long note, almost saying all the stuff I just said to you, and I said, "Here's here's what I'll do," because I didn't realize this. When there's a dispute like that, they say you can pay the full amount, you can pay nothing, or you can pay whatever you think it's worth. So how much do you think I said I thought it was worth, Matt? And I was trying not to be an asshole, so I mean, uh, I, I mean, I twenty bucks, I probably would guess, bro. That's why you, my boy. <laughs> Seriously, just I based on 20, what you're describing, I mean, dude. And what is that for? That's you know? and I don't really believe I broke your ceramic branches, but if I did, twenty bucks should allow you to go to your version of Pier One or something like that Tuesday morning and replace them. And so I sent twenty bucks. Has she responded, Matt? Nope. You know what that means? She said, oh, 20 bucks is fine. Cool. Yep. And I was just like, what a bitch. Yeah, man. I mean, Airbnb and if is. It, if it had been a dude, I'd have been, what a dick. Yep. Because, again, and I couldn't get back in the thing to see, but I guarantee you, because the room, I think, was uh, 200 a night. Something like that. I guarantee yeah. you that cleaning service was probably $150 or $100 at a stay. Something like that. But she was like, I had to call in additional cleaning. And I'm like, then you're dumb. <laughs> That's just, you know, she's full of shit, quite honestly. You know, we, we stayed in Airbnb the last couple of nights in Atlanta. It was a cool place. Fine. You know, but I'm looking out when we checked out and, and the cleaning fee is like a couple hundred bucks. And I'm like, why are we? Because it says, please take the trash out. Please. I'm like, why am yeah. I doing this? If, if I'm literally giving you $200 so somebody comes in here and cleans it. Because it's not, not you. Not. You're not cleaning it. You're paying no. somebody else to come clean it. Bro, and I've never understood that. Like, what the hell difference does it make what it looks like when we leave? Like, unless I took a shit in the middle of the carpet, you know, right. I mean, just normal. OK, I left some towels out or I left a little bit of trash in the trash can. Like, whatever. Dude, and she's ridiculous. He was the funniest part to me. As part of her claim, she took a picture of a box of um, trash bags that I had left on the coffee table. Those trash bags were delivered to the apartment. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to take the, I mean, they're delivered. I guess, oh, she's got a regular delivery and I'll just use one of them to bag up the trash. Yeah. Because I took out a batch of trash because, I, like I said, I was there for like five days. So I took out a bag of trash the day before and set it on a curb. <laughs> I mean, you know, these Airbnbs, it's like, and I think I've told this story before where for my 40th birthday when we rented that Airbnb, and me and the lady are banned from Airbnb now. Like we're banned because of that. 
because we somebody had gotten sick that night and we used baking powder to clean it up. Baking powder, by the way, that was in their refrigerator that we got from their refrigerator. <laughs> and we used it to clean it up and cleaned it all. And we accidentally left some baking powder apparently on the nightstand. And this this girl took pictures of it and sent it to Airbnb saying that we threw a party and we're doing cocaine. Wow. And you have no Airbnb banned us. And Airbnb, like you, there's nothing we can do about it because it, it, it's connected to your email and your phone number. So unless I get a new phone number, I can never use Airbnb. And it's bullshit because it wasn't. I mean, you were there. Nobody was using cocaine. <laughs> I mean, you nobody. Don't to, you don't even get down like that, bro. No, and I thought that was like, not to mention the fact that the picture that she took and sent in, I was like, and I, I, I think I might have, because we, we tried to email Airbnb about it and ask them, and they're like, well, our decision's final. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Because the picture that she sent of the, the cocaine, supposedly, was probably like $3,000 worth of cocaine. <laughs> I mean, it was like a pile of, of baking powder. And I was like, nobody, in a, it, no one would leave that kind of cocaine just sitting around. You know, like a little dusting. I, okay, I get why you're confused. But what are you doing? And it's just so, it's so silly. So now anytime we get an Airbnb, somebody else has to book it for us or we have to use somebody else's information so that we can use it all right well i just had a thought you say it's connected to your phone number right yeah just go to text now and get a different a new phone, another phone number oh yeah i guess i could try that that's not a bad idea and to see if it will work uh-huh. and then just create a new email address yeah that's yeah just try that just just try that as an experiment before you get ready to go on a trip and see if it works yeah yeah well we'll see man but that's there are times where Airbnb, because it is cool, and you there are some really kick-ass, really cool Airbnbs, but yeah. there are times where the frustration of it, and sometimes I'm like, man, I just would rather be in a hotel. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the cleaning fee is just a way for you to make extra money. It is. It's exactly what it is. And, you know, reality of it is, I, I think if you're going with a group, like we were staying with another couple this past weekend. And so it really worked out to get an Airbnb, you know, instead of having to get two, two hotel rooms, because then we each had our separate bedrooms, but we could hang out together and stuff. Like if you're going with a group, Airbnb is fantastic for that. Right. Cause otherwise, you know, if you all want to hang out and stuff, you got to try and get a suite at a hotel. And then you're all, it's just, you know, a lot of the times Airbnb a little bit nicer, a little bit more affordable and you just have more space and whatnot. But right. Uh, there's times I think both work. So that, my friends, is a podcast, and we'll be back, I don't know, so because, I mean, you guys are listening to this immediately after the Cowboys game. It seems kind of weird that we would turn around and record a, a completely new podcast tomorrow. It does. I think this serves as the yeah, Tuesday. I, I think, because you'll, you'll get this, this will serve as your, your Tuesday, Wednesday, you're just getting it a little early, and then we'll, we'll come back and do another one that'll drop on Friday. How about that? Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, because of the Cowboys, you know, playing on Monday night, and, and we'll discuss all that as we move forward and 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 see what happens. But appreciate you guys. So keep that in mind. This, since you're listening to it on Tuesday, most likely it'll serve as your Wednesday podcast, and then we will be back another new edition of Jam Session coming your way on Friday. So enjoy it, and we will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast, of course. You can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. 
Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.